0: Hi, I'm Adrienne. I help people tell the stories they were told not to talk about. Maybe by their own inner critic. Maybe by the world. Either way, I'm here to serve as a kind of story midwife, birthing these beautiful naked narratives and helping them thrive. Telling our own stories and speaking our own truth should be the easiest thing in the world. But it's not. We all get blocked. We all feel censored, stymied, or silenced at times. We struggle to find the right entry point, to articulate the message we want to convey, and to identify the ideal audience to receive it. And that, my friends, is where I come in. I'm a professional brand voice consultant and story coach. I help entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, storytellers, and anyone else who is ready to start living out loud to deliver their authentic voice directly to those who most need to hear it. Are you ready to get authentic? Good, because that's allowed. Hi, everyone. I am here with Jodi Borelli. Jodi, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself to the folks.
1: Hi. I am, I'm a 45-year-old woman who is in recovery. I, I went from soccer mom, PTA president, where my family was everything to me. I was involved in every aspect of my children's lives, and I ended up having a shoulder injury, and through pain medication prescribed by my doctor, um, I ended up consuming large amounts of opioids a month and had progressed to heroin i v drug use and From that point, my life oh, wasn't really a life; yeah. I was hopeless and i didn't want to live, and i didn't want to die and I am wanting to share my story just to provide a little bit of hope to this hopeless situation of addiction. Thank
0: you so much for doing that. Um, just so the folks at home know, I did not know what Jody's story was going to be. And it's getting me a little choked up because uh, my uncle, who I was very close to, actually um, died of a drug overdose in a very similar situation. He I'm was or that. Yeah, he had, he had an injury and was prescribed a, a painkiller by a doctor, uh, became addicted to it, couldn't get more of it because they started controlling it more and more and started using uh, like horse tranquilizers from a vet friend of his, all kinds of things. And eventually it killed him. So I am so glad that you're here to talk about this today because this is super important and thank you for being alive. And for giving us hope. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Um, I'm sorry to hear about your uncle. And I can, man, I can relate to that. My yeah. in between spring and summer quarter of this last year, June 14th, my stepdad had, um, he was, he was a pill addict and he got his oxycodone thirties from the wrong person that day. And mm. they had fentanyl in him and he died of an overdose. Oh, Um, so it, on so many levels hits. it hits home to not only me as the addict, but also as, you know, someone enduring somebody else's pain and seeing how it does affect the whole family and everybody and on such a larger level. Absolutely.
0: So what I usually start with is where does this begin
1: for you? My story? Where does my story begin? Yeah. Where does it begin for you? Um, It's interesting because my first instinct was to say like how my addiction started, but my story actually is beginning now. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) I've chosen to live, right? I've used this hopelessness term and I bet a fact that I didn't want to live and I didn't want to die. And... That is such a miserable place to be. Yeah. And to be honest with you, my story starts now. My story starts with my redemption, with receiving love from my kids again. Mm. You know, I can't live in the past because if I'm living in the past, then I'm not moving forward. Absolutely. It is not, And it's so easy to live in the past, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But... So tell me more about that. Tell me more about the redemption.
0: Tell me about how recovery has healed you and healed your
1: family. So I I love musicals, okay? The first musical I ever saw at the age of 22, which is my birthday, July 22nd. And so I have a a number thing. Uh And it's Les Miserables, Uh. uh, written by Victor Hugo. Yes. And it's a story of an ex-convict seeking mm-hmm. redemption, and that story has just played through on so many different levels of my life. <clears throat> Who and elements gonna, in my life. Um, Jean. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. No and. For me, I am seeking redemption for all the pain that I have caused to my family and my friends and loved ones. Yeah. I just received a Transforming Lives Award, and my essay, the opening quote on it is He Who Opens a School Door Closes a Prison by Victor Hugo. Oh,
0: wow. And
1: redemption is huge for me because publicly, my family also felt the embarrassment of everything that I had done. I was ended up on Washington's most wanted. Wow. As, um, the Ulta thief capture number 805 <laughs> and, um, you know, my, so, okay. So when, when you're on the streets and you're needing to be high every day from heroin or you're severely ill, right? typically women do two, one of two things sell themselves or you acquire items to sell also known as boosting and my previous life I lived a very privileged life and so I knew my high-end women's products I knew how to manipulate systems and how to anyways acquire items and uh, so I would go in and steal from Ulta and Sephora and Mm-hmm. Every drug dealer has their main girl and quite a few little side girls, side bitches. Of basically. Course. And, yeah. and what a better way to keep them all happy than with makeup, perfume, and other various high end women's products. And sure. so that was my hustle. That's what I did. Uh-huh. And, um, I have this weird knack of whatever I do, I do well. And even when it's for evil, you oh, know? hell
0: yeah! you know, if you're going to do something, <laughs> so, do it 100%,
1: baby. Right. <laughs> so I ended up on, um, on Washington's most wanted. Okay. And you know what's so funny about, uh, about that video clip they had my, I, I hadn't even weighed that when I was pregnant with any three of my kids. And I was in such a workplace that that's what bothered me was the weight. Not that I was on there or anything, because mm-hmm. I knew, you know, I knew what I was doing. But it was a weird frame of mind. Anyway, oh, yeah. so all of this was publicly, um, you know, done on TV. And my kids were in high school, in middle school. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, you know, of course, they were teased. Oof. And so I am on a mission <laughs> to to have some redemption. Um, yeah. You know, to make my kids proud of me. and they are. They tell me they're proud of me. Um every chance that they get. And I have been giving them a lot to be proud of lately. So
0: Tell me more about that. What are you even doing to make them proud?
1: Oh goodness. I um well I have a four point oh <laughs> and uh Where are you going to I've just you know, I'm, I'm going to school at Whatcom Community College. I'm in the Substance Use Disorder Professional Program. Oh, awesome. I'll be graduating in June with an Associate in Science um, Substance Use Disorder Professional. And I am so thrilled um, to have that 4.0, and my kids understand right now how hard it is to attain that. My oh, oldest yeah. son graduated from Wazoo and owns a home and two dogs and could I could not be more proud and my son Joseph and my daughter Angelina are both in college right now also and they understand how hard it is to work at keeping a grade up and I found that I often I often brag about my one big accomplishment that I feel that I'm most proud of is I got a solid A out of statistics and Mm -hmm. that was Oh, I hear that. That was some wow. <laughs> that was determination every day. I was up at like 4 or 5 in the morning, you know, making sure that I did the daily homework just yep. very very focused, I guess is the word.
0: Yeah. I mean, you have such a clear motivation. You have such yeah. a clear reason. And that's beautiful. I yeah. I wish that everyone had that. Had that crystal clear this is what i'm doing this for every day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it would yeah. make it so much easier to stay focused
1: <laughs> it it does, and you know another thing my kids tell me that they are proud of me about i I'm winning scholarships right mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. I am helping in my community i started a club at our school called the rock bottom club it's recovery outreach and community and it's to help reduce the stigma and just provide support and education to anyone who just needs it you know our society today is filled with children like mine that are byproducts of their parents addiction yeah. right they we lived in a gated community uh, up at lake taps and it wasn't like I was on the streets or doing, you know, when I was with my family, Um, I, I ended up through, well through prescription pain medication mm-hmm. going down that path, but that's not how they knew me. Right. Yeah. Um, it's so these, these awards, I, I don't know these, I feel like they mean more to me just because there are reasons for them to tell me that they're proud of me. And I long to hear those words. That is the most important thing to me in the world right now is to know that my children love me and are proud of me. And I know I can speak for many in addiction and recovery, that, that encouragement and that, mm, the encouragement and love and support that is shown just through acknowledging these little triumphs. Yeah. It's, it's so motivating.
0: So it's say so more motivating. about that. What are the things that family members and loved ones of people who are in recovery, how can we help? What can we do that really helps?
1: <sighs> Show support. It's uh, such a, it's, golly, that is such a hard thing to say because there's a, there's a point where the family has to kind of be like, okay, I've done enough. I'm to the point of enabling. I have to stand off. Right. And so you can be supportive. Yeah. It's a fine balance. And there's a, you know, I don't, for me, what I know what's working now, and that's really all that I can speak of is. My family listens to me. They allow me to express how I'm feeling. I've yeah. always been that way, but I'm able to articulate it better now. Yeah. And they're able to tell me it's okay. Yeah. Right? Um,
0: I feel like all addiction comes down to pain avoidance, right? And- absolutely. And that's always about, you know, there's so much more pain than I think we often realize or confront. And so having a supportive network where you can lean into that pain and have people Mm -hmm. just hold space for you and listen to you and just hold your hand through
1: that pain. I think. Yes. Listening to understand that is it. Not when we're not always seeking answers, right? And right. oftentimes, nobody can even give the answers that the addicted person needs. And being able to just listen empathetically, yeah, and to because put yourself into their shoes. Sometimes there is no answer. Sometimes there is no fix. Sometimes it's
0: like exactly you no. Know, it's generational trauma, or it's karma, or you know, God knows what it, what this pain is. But it is, yes. It is. And so just acknowledging, like, I'm experiencing this pain right now. Don't Mm -hmm. try to fix it. Just be here with me. I think that's a skill that not every friend has, but every friend needs.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Just being there with somebody and being comfortable in the silence. Yeah. That's how you, that's where I've found that I, the people that I like around me now are, we're okay sitting in silence because there are moments that, I'm just feeling things in an intense way. Last week we were supposed to speak and I'd had a couple speaking engagements, sharing my story. And I'm realizing, wow, that's taking a toll on me. Right. And just, and emotionally way, and- thank you for that.
0: Thank you for oh, I- recognizing where you were at and being honest with me. That
1: was so important to me. It made me feel really thank safe you. with you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Yeah, you know, for encouraging a family member at any point through their addiction is probably one of the most significant things that you can do.
0: What does encouragement
1: look like to you?
0: What does encouragement look like to you? I know I'm sure it's different for everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some days it's you know what I'm glad I, some, I she got out of bed today. Good job. Mm-hmm. You know, encouragement that I needed early in recovery as to where I'm at today yeah. is very different. Sure. Um, right now, right now I have people encouraging me to not be scared to go for my go for my dreams and not to let anyone dim my light. and to speak my truth right speak out so others can speak up before I needed encouragement along the lines of you know what you made it to you made it to IOP today that's great okay you've had two months clean you know kudos just these little kudos and acknowledgement of clean time and milestones were so important to me at the beginning absolutely yeah
0: I mean I think that's that's great advice for anyone, anyone who's trying to take on something really big. Celebrate mm. every little step toward that goal.
1: Anything that is directionally yes.
0: correct, celebrate that. Celebrate it. It's worth it.
1: Yes. How, setting little rewards along the way of the big goal Yeah, is something that I found that I do in my life. Um, and looking at what's right in front of me.
0: Yeah. Right, not getting
1: overwhelmed yes. as as an individual in recovery. That is uh, that is the one of the biggest things that can take me out.
0: Yeah, and as uh, like to genes. not not
1: feeling comfortable in my own skin, too. Right, that's yeah. one of the main reasons I used was because I didn't like the way I felt. So now right. being able to sit in my feelings mm. and focus on what's right in front of me yeah. is and pausing is, is, is so important to me. And that, that is a lesson that I actually learned. I've taken up mountain climbing Ooh, and awesome. I, I had summited the North twin sister. It was about a year and a half ago now. And I was getting a little nervous because we didn't, we didn't rope up or anything. And as we were oh, making our ascent, I started getting paranoid and nervous and Rod had just said to me, "Jody, if this, if this rock was in our front yard, you would be okay. It's the exposure that you're scared of.
0: So right. if you
1: look at what's right in front of you, you know, don't look up because the clouds are moving. It's going to make me dizzy. And if <laughs> I look down, it's like, wow, I'm up pretty high. I'm dizzy again. But literally if I look at what's right in front of me, right, then I'm able to, able to focus. And I use that visual visualization. Anytime I'm feeling overwhelmed, I literally visualize myself on that mountain and looking right at right at the rock in front of me. I love that.
0: I was going to say, I often use the metaphor of headlights that, you know, if you're in a car, like you just have to worry about how far, you know, as far as you can see with your headlights,
1: you know, just mm-hmm, get a mm-hmm. little bit
0: forward and then worry about the rest yeah. later. <laughs>
1: Yes. Yes. You can't look forward and you can't look behind either. That's right.
0: Yeah. Cause we don't know what's coming. Maybe you think you do, but you're not Mm -hmm. always right. We don't really know what, what's going to happen.
1: And exactly.
0: Yeah. And you know, of course it's important to process the past. You know, you don't want to just pretend Mm -hmm. like it never happened, but at the same time dwelling on it is of course not very
1: healthy so we just need to start from where we are. I like that. You know, it, it's, it, that's an interesting concept to just start where we are because often in recovery, I find myself going back to past trauma and I have to process mm-hmm. it somehow, right? So that I can move forward. But right. not getting stuck in that negative cycle Right, is or, so important. And so it's, pardon?
0: But, and not Trying to start from a fictitious future that doesn't exist yet. Saying, you know, oh, if only I had this, Mm -hmm. then I could move forward. Oh, if only I were at this point, everything would be okay. No, Mm -hmm. you're where you are and we're starting from here and it's okay.
1: And that's where I have learned to live in gratitude, right? Being grateful for what I have today.
0: Absolutely. I'm not going to worry about
1: worry about tomorrow and I can't fret about the past, but I will tell you what, having, having gone from the lifestyle that I had Mm -hmm. to literally nothing to a duffel bag of clothes that I would lose or get stolen from, you know, often while living on the streets in Tacoma, I lived off of 38th street for God's sakes. And
0: right that is
1: yeah yeah Yeah, it's pretty tough and you know literally having nothing and not even being able to shower yeah or be able to you know provide myself with tampons if I needed Um, talk about humbling experiences and I will tell you that I look at everything so differently. Now I do not take what I have today for granted. I live in a small one bedroom apartment. I love it. Everything that I have, I have furnished in here from one of, well, there's two secondhand stores here by me that I love, which I'm able to contribute back to a good cause, the assistance league and Mm. we snip and I'm also able to build Create a home, right? Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: create it in a way that is not materialistic. Not, oh, did I get the newest and the latest? Did Mm -hmm. I get it at this store? You know what? I did live that lifestyle. So here's a benefit of that. I do know my brand. So when I'm shopping, of course I look, you know, I'm able to look and pick up things that are pampered chef or party. I loved home parties when I was a stay-at-home mom. (laughs) I sold cookie lead jewelry and I was, I was a top producer, you know, top seller. And, uh, it was just, it was a fun, I loved that stuff. And so anyways, it's a fun, therapeutic little treasure hunt for me. Right. Um, and the details bring back memories. Mhm. Those little Pardon? details matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a fun way for me to also stay clean, right? Uh, because it's keeping me busy. I'm not just sitting at home doing nothing. And with my with my um, oh, we'll say obsessive compulsive addictive behavior. You know, <laughs> I go on these little tangents of teapots. I mean, I think we had oh my God, like 30 different teapot sets here because I was, I was never allowed a tea set when I was a child. I verified yeah. it with my mother recently and she said I didn't like them. So I have just wanted to create these fun tea experiences for, for people, right? Oh, well, awesome. I ended up giving them all away and, and I'm so grateful that I was able to do that. But what that did was that got me into these, these stores where I was able to talk and organically, they invited me to come speak for them. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to cultivate these relationships in a healthy, oh. normal way that just feels so fulfilling as. Yes. As, I don't know. It just doesn't, as, as a human right now, it, it just feels good.
0: So I want to really congratulate you on that because this is in a very, very important piece of recovery to find a new game. The mm-hmm. way that our brains work is that they have these little paths, right? And the more you go down that path, the more that groove kind of gets stamped down, right? And it's really, really difficult to get out of one of those grooves. And you can't just stop. Like, that's not a thing. You can't just tell your brain, stop. You have to find a new groove because it always has to keep moving forward. And so when you find a new game and create a new groove, and the more you do that, the more that other groove kind of starts to go away
1: hmm you're reinforcing the new groove.
0: <laughs> That's right. So yeah, I'm so glad you found your new groove. <laughs> and Thank I just really, you. really encourage you, like, yes, you're right. It is really important to have a new game and just enjoy the heck out of it. Absolutely.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. So I think we've kind of covered who needs to hear this, because obviously people who are struggling with addiction or people who are helping people struggling with addiction need to hear this. Mm-hmm. But the next question I usually ask is how how did this change you? And I can already hear that it changed you in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to acknowledge that, you know, I, I've found that when you the gift of poverty, I guess, <laughs> is that you realize mm-hmm. how little you actually can uh live on and and buy and it's kind of amazing actually what we can do as humans and how no one can ever actually take from you what is yours. Do you know what I mean by that?
1: Absolutely. I think I do.
0: And so I think, you know, I'm hearing from you that, that, that you've really realized like what, what is yours (laughs) and how to celebrate that now. And I hear Mm -hmm. from you a lot Mm -hmm. about gratitude. And I'm wondering if you have new um, practices now that help you kind of keep that discipline of gratitude sharp
1: that you could share? Um, yes, I do. So, while well, I was in jail, I did a lot of reading, right? I, I basically would read a book a day, and I'd come across the book The Secret. Mm. Laws of attraction, manifestation, and what a better place to start practicing things like that than when you're sitting in jail, right? Yeah. Yeah. And trying to find something to be grateful for. And that living in the the moment is important, but I'm also for the for when I'm thinking of my goals and what I want in the future, I'm envisioning myself living that way. Yes. Right? So I'm not in my head thinking, I want to have a career as a public speaker. I'm envisioning myself doing it already at the podium speaking and whatnot. And so.
0: And here you are.
1: And here I am. I'm doing it. You're doing it. Yeah. And it's crazy. Daily, I honestly, that. That is probably the single thing, that's probably the only thing that I really do for myself to, to focus and to, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time here articulating what I'm trying to say. Take your time. I found the power in living out my dreams as if I have already owned them. Yes. And every time that I am revealed one of my wishes, right, or something that I have envisioned for myself, it just solidifies how powerful my thoughts and my actions are for my future. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, 100%. Okay. okay. I think one of the most powerful things I've discovered in the last few years is marrying, uh, if you want to call it prayer or manifestation or, you know, future envisioning
1: Mm -hmm.
0: emotion. And so you're not just thinking about, Oh, you know, uh, picturing yourself up on that stage, you're actually experiencing that emotion that you're, Mm -hmm. you will have when that comes to fruition. And that I think is what makes it real. That is the missing piece for a lot of people. It's just realizing, that, you- and that's
1: the that's the big piece for a lot of people. It's being in tune in that right frequency, as if you're right now and living it, living it now. But what you want to have happen in the future? Does that right? Yes. It's,
0: and you have there, to tap into frequency. that emotional
1: frequency. You can mm-hmm. think
0: about like you know, oh, here I am in my misery and I, and my pain, and I'm you know wishing like, oh, I wish. I were up on a stage. No, it's you're feeling what you will feel when you are up on that stage, that bliss, that
1: exhilaration, that joy. Yes, absolutely. When I'm envisioning myself up on a stage and at, at any venue and I take in a deep breath, I close my eyes and then I just exhale it out. And then it centers me, and I'm able to focus on that goal for the day.
0: What's your goal for today?
1: My goal for today is to really just get through the day with ease and to be able to prioritize all of the, all of the ideas and things that are going through my head, number one, mm-hmm. and being able to prioritize just the events that I have coming up that I'm needing to prepare myself for.
0: So what is the most important thing for you in terms of preparing to tell that story? Is it about focusing on just the meaning, the message, the takeaway that you want them to have? Is it about rehearsing the words so that you don't stumble over them? What's the most important thing for you in terms of
1: preparation? Probably the take home message. Yeah. You know, I feel that if I'm, Able to articulate everything with, with just perfection and ease and it's not real, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm rehearsing <laughs> yeah. what I'm going to say for, for questions and it's not real, I'm a real person. I'm a real person in recovery who has real anxiety over, right? Um, articulating myself correctly for a couple reasons. Number one, I have 11 of my own teeth in my head. So I have partials. There's hardware, right? So I have a hard time sometimes articulating things. And it's funny because when I get nervous, I start to stammer and I think you can pick up on that. And that stems back to childhood, not being able to read very well and having to go away to reading group and stuttering when I had to read out loud because I was so nervous. And it's funny how those things start to come back, right? but it but, makes you so relatable. It makes you so likeable. exactly, exactly. And I have found through through telling my story, and well, I tell my story in a certain way when I when I'm public when I'm when I'm sharing it in a public venue. I, it's actually written out speech format in a, and I'm telling my story, and then I open up for question and answer afterwards because it's such a such a personal tragic you know painful story and it's hard to hard to say the things that I've done and to relive those feelings because when I talk about it and I envision it my feelings are there too from when I endured it of course and so yeah it's yeah I have a whole
0: memoir uh that I've written a book and I really want Mm -hmm. to read it out loud as a series you know as an audiobook essentially. Um, and I have not had the emotional fortitude to get through it
1: mm. yet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just a lot. It's so, it's so much more emotionally draining than you expect it mm-hmm. to be because it's like, Oh,
1: it's so many years ago now. It's 10 years ago now. Why is it still so fresh? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or I'm doing so well and things are so good. So Mm -hmm. why is this so hard to talk about? Well, it's hard to talk about because that pain is still there with my children, just because things are good on many levels with us now doesn't mean I didn't cause it and that they don't still feel it.
0: Right.
1: You know? And so, yeah, I, like I said last week, I really was feeling that mm, I was emotionally taxed. We'll put it that way. I, I had had um, an event in Olympia, the Transforming Lives Awards dinner on Monday, which was at the Red Lion. And that happened to set off a whole series of events that I was not even expecting. It was my first hotel stay, really, since I've been clean. And, you know, it's, it's a nice hotel, but it's not the nicest hotel. I'd been there during my addiction. And so it had set off this whole reaction of just flashbacks to my to my addiction. And I'd woken up at one in the morning to other people screaming and fighting in another room. And it was just I ended up having a panic attack in the morning. And, you know, and then um, goodness, and then on Wednesday, I came home or Tuesday I came home. Wednesday I spoke for the Criminal Justice Department at Whatcom Community College for their club. And it was amazing. It was great. And it was I spoke in front of the cops, right? And it was yeah. so they were so inviting and it was just warm and it was probably the most welcoming events that I've had. And that was emotional. And then on Thursday I had a video interview for an eye catch grant that they were they're sharing my story. Mm-hmm. And so that was another hour of sharing my story. Yeah. And yes, it's draining. Yeah. It, it it is so draining.
0: Okay. So I'm gonna do something that I'm hoping will give you a little bit of energy so that you don't come okay. from this feeling drained, but feeling like you helped. So what I want you to do is just envision right now that you are talking directly to the people who need to hear this the most. Like you have them right here in front of you. And I just want you to take a moment and give them hope. Say exactly what you want to say to them.
1: There's always hope never underestimate the power of a planted seed and to never give up whether you're the addicted or you're a loved one of the addicted. I'm I'm living proof that there's always hope. That's really what I just, I just want to provide hope to this hopeless situation and that is why I share my story and why I'm able to able to do what I do, and thank you very much for that, because that right there just helped me realize why it is that I do what I do. Yeah. You're wonderful in what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening. I hope you found this episode inspiring or at least entertaining. Please subscribe and tell all of your friends to subscribe and you know, like me and rate me and say nice things about me on social media. All that stuff really matters and it costs you $0. And speaking of things that cost $0, I give out 20 minute consultations for free for new clients. So listen, if you've got a story you're not telling a brand that's in need of an authentic voice or a brand voice that's in need of great content and an audience to enjoy it, I would love to help you out. Head on over to my website, thatsaloud.com to find out more. Are you ready to make your voice heard? Good, because that's allowed.